Hello, and welcome to People First Merseyside Podcast. Today, I have brought in two people from the Liverpool Royal Hospital to tell us about the Swan Project and palliative care. So, I'd like to introduce Serena. Hi! And Kate. Hello. So, thank you for coming, you two. So, could you tell me what is the Swan Project? Um, so, I suppose I'll take this one. So, um, my name's Kate Baxter. I'm one of the um, specialist nurses for the Swan team. The SWAN model of care was created in 2012 by Fiona Murphy, MBE. (laughs) Um, She created the model after a long career where she received and witnessed um, experiences and feedback from our end-of-life patients and, of course, those important to them, and realised that there was, as with most things, some room for improvement. Um, And this was in another trust, but I think that feedback can be taken across the board as with a lot of things it's the human experience rather than a set location um, so the SWAN model was created to help make all staff and sort of generalised specialties and have each staff feel as if they can act like a specialist and have mm. that enhanced skill set in order to look after our patients and their loved ones um, to the best of their abilities. Mm-hmm. So does SWAN like stand for something? Is it like an acronym? So yeah, it's a bit of both. The SWAN does also literally refer to the bird, the swan. Mm-hmm. Um, in ancient Greek times, a swan signified a good death. Mm. Um, but you're right, it does also stand um, for an acronym that the model of care can be delivered by. The S being signs, W is words, A is actions, and N is needs. So within that, it's um, the format in itself like that is quite simplistic, which I think is exactly the sort of thing that makes it accessible to everyone and applicable everywhere. So for example, the S for signs, that would be for your clinical staff. They could look at, what the, are there any signs there that this person may be dying or entering that dying phase of life? Um, you know, we of course have our medical colleagues, the doctors, who will diagnose these things and give prognoses. But um, it is mostly nurses, healthcare assistants who would spend the most time with our patients. So it's about encouraging and empowering them to look for these signs and to make sure that they're known and, and seen. Equally, it can be a visual sign as well. So we have our lovely swan symbol, um, and that can be put on our patients' doors so that any member of staff or even a visitor can see that and have that little light bulb moment and say, okay, well, this is a patient who may be dying or perhaps has just died and the family is spending time with them. Um, So there's that side. And then the W for SWAN, about the words, that's about encouraging um, our staff to, I suppose, like a lot of things, there's taboos in life and death and dying is a huge one isn't it you know even in our modern culture people find it a little uncomfortable even professionals to talk about that um so we're trying to encourage staff to feel empowered and know that it's okay to talk to our patients about that it may not be that everyone's the one to break that bad news but they can certainly be the one to check the understanding of our patients and their loved ones and if they feel that they're not aware of the situation make sure that whoever's responsibility that is, whether that's a senior nurse or the doctor, that they can then pass that message on and make sure that our patients and family know what's going on. 
you know, it's, it's all about making sure that the control is with our patients and their families. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your health's your business, isn't it? Um, and then the A for actions, that would be um, about facilitating and going above and beyond for whatever our patients and their loved ones would like. And the N for needs, checking on them regularly. So there's a balancing act with these things. You know, you can always do too much or too little. We don't want to be... Cons- constantly running into the room and disturbing people when they want those special private moments but equally we don't want to think we're doing them a favour by leaving them and then have them feel neglected or not seen and listened to so it's about trying to find that balance and just ask people how often shall we check on you mm-hmm. and making sure that we review their needs mm-hmm. very good Thanks. So you mentioned that it, the project started in like 2012, was it? Yes. So it's been going on for like 11 years now, hasn't it? Uh-huh. So has it? How much? Has, how far has it come in like those 11 years, like from since it started? So since its conception in 2012, um, where Fiona implemented and created the Swan model of care for end of life and bereavement, it's now um, still within that starting area in Greater Manchester. But it's now progressed on to being uh, implemented in over 70 organisations throughout the UK. Um, That would include hospitals like our hospital, the um, Liverpool University NHS Foundation Trust, but also from some care homes, um, smaller healthcare organisations, community organisations, as well as, for example, HM coroner's offices. They use that as well. They um, implement the SWAN model, and we and other areas across the UK have our SWAN nurses who will work closely with the coroner's offices too. And I know recently Fiona actually went to do an international conference in Spain, and people from that area in Malaga said that they'd love to implement it in their trust as well. So she's going worldwide. So it's, it's you. So you have goals like have it like international and all that. I think so. I think I suppose that um, you know I couldn't speak on behalf of Fiona, but mm. I would imagine that like all of us, uh, that she would want the best for our patients mm. and for everyone. So yeah, I suppose so. If it would yeah. benefit people, then I, I guess yeah. it's a good team, high, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Go as far as you can with it. <laughs> and there's also been in terms of how it's progressed, um, the British Medical Journal has also um, published peer-reviewed research um, last year looking at the SWAN model of care and like your question its topic was about from its implementation Mm -hmm. to its progression and its current use so they've looked into all of that and hospitals that do have the SWAN model hospitals that don't have the SWAN model and then looking at figures and feedback from relatives and patients themselves and it's said overall that they found that where the SWAN model was in use, families and patients felt they were more listened to, that um, their voices were heard. They had, in an uncontrolled scenario, which death and dying really is, they felt that it gave them an element more of control and choice within those moments, which is all we could hope for. That's very good. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how was it funded, the SWAN project? So, um, I suppose the easiest way of saying that is through our wonderful community is the biggest way. So, SWAN has its own charitable foundation, 
um, and Artist One Charitable Fund. So we receive um, charitable donations from separate organisations. For example, the Four Louis charity mm-hmm. um, will um, donate items and memory boxes and all that, all contents related to that so that we can provide those resources and comfort to our patients and their family. Um, We have a lot of community donations from Mm -hmm. groups. For example, one of our chaplains often receives lovely donations from various church groups in the area. I know that a lot of ladies who go to knit and natter groups will make these lovely little crocheted and knitted hearts for us and blankets and donate them for our patients. Mm Um, we also have, for example, recently, um, there was a swan ball and we had, I believe that was in April of this year, um, and the company Sutcliffe's donated over £50,000 they raised through that and all that money goes towards supporting so many of our patients and families across the Liverpool and Merseyside area. Hmm. Very good. So, um, do you know like, like a rough estimate of how many patients that like, you work with on this one project? It could be like daily. That would vary. Obviously, we have um, speaking strictly about Liverpool. Um, we have, let's say, we cover Royal Green Hospital, Aintree Hospital, the Royal Liverpool, um, all known as the Liverpool Hospitals mm-hmm. Trust. Um, also, as I say, the coroner's office as well. So it would be difficult for me to give you an exact number because each area sort of keeps its own numbers. But as a nurse, a lot of the time, for example, if I look, look at one of my days, like yesterday, it could be that, for example, yesterday, I was with um, one family and then later a patient. So that's only technically two separate cases yesterday. Mm-hmm. But those two things each probably took me minimum of three hours, maybe four hours to spend time with and talking with these families and their patient during their grief. Um, so it's one of those things, it depends. Sometimes you can have perhaps smaller numbers in terms of who you've seen, but the quality of that time will take up a lot of your day. Mm-hmm. Um, equally, you could have mornings or days where perhaps each interaction isn't as in-depth it could be that a member of staff's called us to ask, are you able to coach us on how to provide the best care for a patient now that they've died and um, or support their family? Or it could be that we'll go and visit someone after a referral, but perhaps the family only feel that they need a smaller amount of our support and they're happier for us to contact them at a later date. So these things do vary. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... Um do you support people with learning disabilities? Yeah, absolutely, we support um, anyone who's a patient um, in our hospitals. Mm-hmm. So whether they had learning disabilities or not, absolutely. Um, whoever they are, we're happy to provide support to our patients and their families. Mm-hmm. Very good. And I think, can I jump in here? And yeah. I think what, what we do really, really good is work very closely together So I'm the learning disability nurse, so my expertise is within supporting patients with learning disabilities. Mm -hmm. And then the staff within the SWAN team, other experts within um, end-of-life palliative care, 
and how we can our both expertise join together to make mm. it one and mm-hmm. make sure that we get it right for the person who is at end of life mm. who has a learning disability and that's really really important to me so working with the SWAN team and giving them the the skills and the the the, the knowledge of what I have and they can do the same to me mm-hmm. um, and we can work really closely together so I think that's really important mm. yeah and I'd say you know I'd have to be vague of course to keep patient confidentiality but even just a few days ago I got in touch with Serena to say that you know I had a patient who was dying but one of their loved ones who was going through grief had a learning disability Mm. so in the fact that I was able to look online and find some resources that may be relevant to this person related to grief I was aware that that wasn't perhaps my specialty, so I knew that I could contact Serena and see if there was any further advice and support that she was able to offer. Mm. So yeah, I'd say working together, and part of the thing that we'd always say with SWAN is it's everyone's business and we want to all work together rather than working in silos, join together and make things as good as they mm. can be. So what are like some of the things that the SWAN product does to like help a person like ease for like the remainder of their life? Like, how do you, like, support them and make them feel more comfortable? So, um, we work probably side by side with, um, with any sort of palliative care specialties. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of their role, not exclusively, but a lot of their role would be around complex symptom management um, involving specialist medications, as well as family support. Um, but to speak purely on the SWAN side of things, so we don't get involved in their medication, mm-hmm. but we would, of course, if we notice anything, you know, we are trained nurses, so it, if we notice that someone would require some support from a clinical sense, we'll make sure that we refer on to that and pass on mm-hmm. to our colleagues. From a more holistic sense, looking at everything else, we follow that SWAN model guideline using the acronym. So making sure that our families and the patient themselves are aware of the situation Mm -hmm. and talking to them about it. You know, the other day I was speaking with a gentleman um, who was actively dying um, and his family had said, you know, would you be able to talk to him on his own? He's like a lot of people. The other day I was speaking with um, an elderly gentleman who was in the dying phase and his family, I'd spent quite a lot of time with his family um, and they'd said, you know, like a lot of people, he's perhaps trying to protect us. I think we all do that, don't we? If you're going through something, you'll try and look after your family and those closest to you and you don't want them to worry about things and that's what this gentleman was doing, keeping things a bit bottled in and putting on a stiff upper lip and a brave face. So as an outsider, as someone who he doesn't feel the pressure to look after, I just went in and spent some time chatting with him um, and I think that's a huge part of our role as well, just being someone that you're there just as a friendly face, someone mm. that they can talk to. Um, there's no pressure from their end, if someone wants to cry they can cry and we can cry with them, If you know, we'll always be open with our patients and their loved ones mm. and that gentleman was telling me about how, to be honest, he was quite fed up with been in this scenario for a long time you know I won't divulge any sort of private conversations but 
within that just giving people the space to talk and feel listened to and of course if there are any wishes acting on those things mm. you know whether that's for example if someone whether someone's religious or not you know of course a religious person may have someone they would like from their own whether that's a church a synagogue a mosque anything they might have someone that they would like to come and speak to them mm-hmm. equally it could be one of our hospital chaplaincy teams you find often as well patients who would never have said that they were religious when it comes to the end of life they may feel that they're more comforted if they have a blessing of some sort um, so we do have that a lot as well where we'll ask patients like do you know this is available you can receive support and as well non-religious support from our chaplaincy team too um, and then there's all the side of our things um, like the Swan has a lot of resources you know we spoke before about um, all the generous donations we receive from the charities so part of that will offer memory making facilities to our patients and to those important to them and that can be physical things such as memory boxes these can be beautifully decorated with you know butterflies or scattered seeds and you know we get a variety of designs Um, and within that the contents we try to keep as customizable as possible you know each of us is very different and unique so we try to make sure that our patients and their loved ones have that option as well Mm -hmm. Um, so to let them know that if they would like any sort of teddies they can whether that's and any of this really whether that's for themselves or if they wish to gift that perhaps to a loved one a grandchild a child of their own they can do we offer sentimental things like little knitted hearts i remember there was a lady who was i'd say probably in her 80s and she had a knitted heart and her husband who was dying had a knitted heart that she'd placed in his hand and once he died she swapped those two so that then he was buried with her heart and she keeps his little heart on a mantelpiece next to his photo so that every day she apparently was telling one of my colleagues she will go and say hello and give this heart a little kiss and that's just her connection there sentimentally and physically um, so we have all of those little things as well as cosy homey knitted blankets mm-hmm. you know, it's all about just making people feel that it's personalised hospitals can be cold and clinical mm-hmm. there's lots of buzzes and sounds and different smells even if that smells a hospital meal I'm sure, <laughs> you know hospital meals are great and nutritious but perhaps that's not what you're really after when you're in the end of life I mean, I don't know about you. What would any of your favourite flavours be? Um, anything that's not juicy or meaty, because I can't really stomach those. <laughs> <laughs> what would I you like really some like? fizz, I think. Mm-hmm. I fizz. like Yes, so um, mm-hmm. a glass of fizz is something special to me. Yeah. You know, so um, yeah, champagne or Prosecco or something like that. There you go. That's it. So I would like that. And I think that's what we can offer also in the hospital and I think that's what's really important about this one model of care is that there's no limits Mm. it's if something is required or if if a patient or the loved one tells us that this is really important to them well we will do our best to facilitate that to get that so if mine's having a glass of fizz I might be able to drink the whole lot 
but I might certainly be able to put it on my lips <laughs> and taste it. And I think that's what we can offer. I think for me, from working with patients with a learning disability, it's that we have brought in um, one of my, um, one of the uh, patients was moving towards her end of life and her cat was the most important thing to her and we brought the cat into the hospital ward and she was able to sit, stroke it and felt safe with that. And we took photographs and they were on the wall mm. um, and her sister then took it home. But that was meaningful for her and I think that's what the whole Swan Project is about, is having meaning behind everything so it's not us doing things, mm -hmm. it's about understanding what our patients want. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's perfectly said. That, that is exactly what it is. It's just about you feeling that you're having a good experience. Yeah. You know, a, a death is a fact of life. It's sad. It's something that a lot of people have anxieties and fears about. Um, you know, it is often the unknown, isn't it? Mm -hmm. But it is unfortunately something that does happen to all of us at some point. So within that, we truly do believe that there is such a thing as having a good death. Mm. You know, that can be in the last stages of life. As Serena said, perhaps your patient or the dying person, I should say, would really like that bubbles, those bubbles, that drink that they love. And you know, whether that's that they would like to have a nice glass, if they can, lovely. And if they can't, if they're not as able anymore, we can then do things like mouth care, where we have these little mouth care sponges and we're able to dip that in the drink of choice. And we can do their mouth care, make sure that the mouth's lovely and clean and moist, but importantly with that gorgeous flavour. You know, so you have that lovely thing. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> and even if it's, you know, say you were just thinking you're desperate for that ice cream, you absolutely adore this ice cream. You've got that brand you love, that flavour. We can try and facilitate that too. So whatever that little thing is, it's a huge thing in that moment, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So that's what it's all about. That's very sweet. So how do you let people know about the Swan Project? Do you use like social media? Does the Swan Project have a social media? If I say, I think... Um, coming here and telling you about it. Myself and Maria, um, the lead, came a few weeks ago and we presented the SWAM um, model mm -hmm. of care to all the members at um, People First. Skill, wasn't it? Yeah, mm -hmm. um, and we shared with you a presentation that Maria had done, why it was important, what was the SWAM model of care about? Um, and it's about then people talking about that, sharing that with their families and friends and saying, this is what they're doing, this is the difference. Um, and I think word of mouth is really, really important. Mm -hmm. um, and also being knowledgeable. So what's coming today with our expertise from Kate um, and sharing that knowledge that you can then share it with other members and, and this podcast been listened to really so I think mm -hmm. it's it's things like that yeah. that are really important mm -hmm. and yeah we do have um, some of our team social media as well um, we have for example that our team leader runs we have a swan twitter account so that's called swan team but the at tag is at swan team l-u-h and that's s-w-a-n 
T E A M L U H. So you can find that on Twitter. Um, is that where people would go to find out like more about what the Swan Project is all about? So I'd say it's more um, providing updates. So the Twitter account will be more of a live look, if you like. So, for mm -hmm. example, when we had Die Matters Week the other month, um, which is a separate organisation from um, outside of ourselves, um, we had an event there where I did meet a couple of your members while we were there too. So, for example, during that one, we were in the lower ground floor at the Royal Hospital and we had a table with um, all information leaflets and some of our resources on display for Diane Matters Week. And then for the Twitter account, we would take photographs of that and hashtag the Diane Matters to hopefully try and engage people mm -hmm. in the conversation and also know that they can come and chat with us as well. Mm. Okay, very good. Well, that's all the questions I have today, but is there anything that either of you would like to add or mention? I suppose I'd like to say um, firstly thank you to all of you for inviting of Serena and myself and the Swan team. It's a pleasure, honestly. It really is lovely. I've never done a podcast before, so I hope you has been okay. Um, you did really well, don't we? <laughs> thank you. But yeah, it was lovely to meet you all. But as well, you know, if yourselves or the members, the people first, consider the idea and have any questions or perhaps any ideas of how we could as a team engage more with anyone with any learning disabilities or ways that you think would be beneficial in terms of how we could support people too you know we'd love to hear from you mm -hmm. I think from my perspective we're working closely I'm working closely with um, People First uh, Merseyside on the paperwork that you have under SWAN and how we can look at that under a um, easy read format mm. um, so at the moment I've got the booklets from Maria I'm then looking at them to see what we can do and engaging with um, people first so we co-produce the information really um, and it's only through your skill and your, your, your knowledge that you can help us with this so that to me is really really important and again if new information or if, if I support patients um, through any phase of, of their end of life it's about how can we get it right what does right look like and it's different from everybody mm. um, but also yourselves from the members of um, Merseyside People First Merseyside if you hear of stories and how we can improve things to me that's important share mm. that with us you have my contact details you know how to get hold of me and I certainly will work with the SWAN team to get to improve if we need to absolutely yeah mm -hmm. the feedback's key that feedback is how the swan model was created and like anything i think listening to people and always trying to improve if there's areas to improve in that's how we carry on isn't it and make a difference mm -hmm. so thank you two for coming and thank you everyone for listening to this episode we hope you've learned a lot about the swan project and the wonderful work that they do see you next time